Head versus heart. That's what we hear from Jesus in that gospel lesson for today. Things from the head can be counted. They can be uh, enumerated. But things from the heart, well, they're not so easily measured. All of us spend a great deal of time in life, uh, on the job, at home, uh, counting, enumerating things. You know what that looks like. Budget planning, time management, task lists, bill paying, etc., etc. But how do we measure things less tangible, like joy in our lives? or the spirit within, or forgiveness. We may do very well with counting things from the head, but we may well struggle with things from the heart. And we see these two separate spheres, not only in individual lives, but in our corporate life, in the body of Christ. Churches are usually very good at measuring things from the head. And we do so each year with uh, what I call the dreaded annual statistical report, which is something you probably are not even aware of, but it is a requirement of every congregation in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, usually due by the end of February. And it measures things like average weekly worship attendance, participation in Sunday school and Bible classes, how many were baptized, how many were confirmed, how many new members were received. And I give thanks to God for Janet in our church office who helps assemble all of this information every year. But what about those congregations that don't submit their annual statistical report? Well, that comes with people like me, the circuit visitor, who then have to follow up with the stragglers and ding on them, reminding them to get that turned in. We're very good at what I call measuring the three Bs, bodies, worship attendance, budgets, and buildings, operating costs, construction, that sort of thing. But how are we doing not just with our seating capacity, but with our sending capacity? How are we doing with sending people out into the community to serve in the name of Jesus? How are we doing with loving our neighbor? What does it look like in our lives as we join Jesus on his mission? How are the fruits of the Spirit evident in each of our lives? these things are a lot more challenging to measure. Forgiveness is at the heart of the kingdom of God. And as we find out in today's gospel lesson, it's not so much a matter of the head as it is of the heart. Today we focus on those words of Jesus, his parable of the unforgiving servant under the theme forgiven and forgiving. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So Peter is once again front and center in our gospel lesson again today, and he's got a question for Jesus. Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? How many times do I have to forgive my sister? maybe seven times? And Peter's question is really, 
our own question as well. How many times have we felt that forgiving that person, and you can fill in the blank yourself, how many times do I have to forgive that person because it seems like it's going nowhere? It's even becoming counterproductive. Isn't there a limit to this forgiveness thing? Peter thought he was being more than generous with forgiving up to seven times. He's operating up here in his head. He's counting. He's enumerating things in the kingdom of God that are like so many heads of lettuce in the produce aisle. And we're prone to do the same thing. We are prone to put ourselves in charge to set the limit, establish the quota. But you see, we're not in charge. That's principle number one in Christian stewardship. We're not the owners. We are the managers, the stewards of what belongs to the Lord. And one of the chief things that belongs to the Lord is the gift of forgiveness. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus tells Peter. You can almost see him, his eyes bugging out and his jaw dropping. What? How can that even be possible? Jesus makes clear, not just to Peter, but to us, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's not about how many were up or how many were owed. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Look at Joseph in the Old Testament reading for today. I encourage you in the days ahead, go back and read the chapters which precede what we read in Genesis 50 today to get the backstory of Joseph. You may already be familiar with this, but if ever there was anybody who had a right to hold a grudge, it would have been Joseph. His brothers literally sold him into slavery. The band of people had taken him off to Egypt, then they lied to their father and dipped his garment in blood and said, a wild animal killed him, here's his coat, it's all covered with blood. He was dead to them and for years languished in Egypt with setback after setback, it seemed. But God had a plan for Joseph and used him powerfully to preserve life in the time of seven years of famine and elevated Joseph to the highest, second highest position in the entire land. And that's when the brothers returned. And that's this scene of reunion and reconciliation. You see, if anybody has a right to keep score, it might have been Joseph, but it certainly is God, not us. And God has generously, graciously wiped the slate clean for you and for me. God has declared the debt of sin which we owe to be no more. Like we read in the psalm, those beautiful, beautiful words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives 
all your iniquity, who heals your diseases. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. There's nothing we've done to deserve this or to earn it. It comes freely as God's gift in Jesus to you. Rejoice in this gift, but never take it for granted. And having received this gift, now, what will we do with it? Back some years ago, in when I was in college, I was in a one-act play entitled 70 times 7 equals 490, but then pow! Uh, we actually did that one-act play a couple years ago. Brian Hoynes up in the choir was in that. You remember that, Brian? He says no. <laughs> it's been that long ago. Well, you did. And uh, the, the play is all about a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Dexter Q. Plotts who had a chalkboard set up in their living room, neatly divided right down the middle into his and hers, equal sides. And there were hash marks all over on each side as the couple furiously worked to forgive one another to get to the magic number of 490. Because when they got to 490, they reasoned, then they could really get down to business and forget about all this forgiveness stuff and start getting even. That's the pow part. That's how they were reading Jesus' words in today's gospel lesson. It was a comedy, of course, and it was pretty funny, as I recall. But is there some truth in that? for our lives. When it comes to forgiveness, are we keeping score? Are we operating up here in our head rather than here in our heart? Are we becoming Peter or Mr. and Mrs. Dexter Q. Plotts? Because you see, unless our heart is moved to forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven us, then no amount of counting or enumerating from up here in our head is going to move us to do this. Jesus' parable of that unforgiving servant is graphic, very memorable. What is it that the first servant owed the king? Did you catch that? 10,000 talents. A talent was a unit of measure, often of weight, particularly with things like gold or silver. And this guy owed the king 10,000 talents. It was an astronomical figure, really beyond measure. He, would, he could never hope in a hundred lives to, to pay that off. And the other servant that this was owed, the, uh, the other servant who owed something to him was how much? A hundred denarii. Denarii is the plural, denarius is the singular, and a denarius 
was a day's wage for the average worker. So the other guy owed him a little over three months wages, a paltry sum in comparison to that gargantuan, overwhelming debt he owed the king. You see, if the forgiveness that we ourselves have received from God does not extend from our heart to those around us, we are in grave danger of incurring the wrath of our king. Otherwise, how can we pray that fifth petition in the Lord's Prayer? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. These are not words we can just mumble thoughtlessly without searching our heart. It is a matter of utmost seriousness for life and for faith. As Lutheran Christians, we're used to praying this Lord's Prayer with that word trespass. But I believe the better word choice the one that more accurately reflects the original word is debt. And that's a word we can all understand. Mounting debt in our nation, in our lives, it's all too real. So does that petition of the Lord's Prayer take on new meaning? Does it drive home the point more realistically and graphically if we pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Imagine complete debt forgiveness of your student loan. Imagine mortgage forgiveness, especially if that mortgage is underwater. Wow, what an amazing, life-changing gift that would be. And if we were forgiven this indebtedness, would we then be more prone to forgive people who are indebted to us? You see, that's the point. That's the point. Jesus calls us to see forgiveness not only as something to be received, but as something, a gift to be given. Forgiveness is God's gift to the world. Forgiveness from the heart short circuits our human tendency for revenge and for vengeance. And there is within all of us at times that desire for that pound of flesh, something we have to watch closely. God himself says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So how will the world know of God's amazing gift of forgiveness in Jesus except that it come through God's people, people like you and me? We have received this gift of forgiveness. Now Jesus calls us 
to share it with the world around us. And sometimes this is very hard to do. If the wound is grievous and deep and long-standing, the forgiveness can take a long time to come to grips with and to forgive from the heart. But if God has forgiven the overwhelming debt of our sin through the cleansing blood of Jesus on the cross, who are we to hold on to those old grudges? We must and we will forgive from the heart. As God in Christ has come down to forgive us, and we receive this forgiveness here in the Lord's Supper through the body and blood of Jesus Christ given and shed for us, this then equips us and strengthens us to go out and share this forgiveness with people in our lives as we join Jesus on his mission. One by one, lives are impacted Hearts are touched for the kingdom of God. In Jesus, we are forgiven and forgiving. May God help us to do this for Jesus' sake. Amen.